And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah! Big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Special Thursday edition of Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave Dufour. Joined as I am just about every week by Seth and Mo. What's up, guys? Ooh, not a whole lot, Dave. Yeah, beginning of the year. Like, this is like... We're getting into the doldrums a little bit, although, you know, we've had some excitement, uh, you know, Lance making a stance and all that stuff. Uh, we're kind of getting into the long part of the season. Seth, have you been pacing yourself to just, you know, kind of get your own internal momentum to carry you through January to the All-Star break? No, I think like the 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 trade deadline is kind of where the kind of exhale happens like we're we're entering trade season this is this is fun you know we're gonna i I don't know how actually if there's gonna be that many trades this year because i think that that the combination of teams still kind of sorting through how the play-in tournament works for that and also just the, the i feel like there's just less information that everyone has because teams are weird and we don't know where anyone is and also i feel like most decision makers have been scrambling to get hardship players rather than you know doing the normal kibitzing about you know who's available for what and who wants to get moved and all that kind of stuff but of course like we are beginning to see small little hints right teams are creating roster spots and opening up opportunities of course we had a very very tiny trade and oklahoma city ended up with another draft pick like it's just how this works (laughs) it's 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 nature healing folks like that's where we're at now um and and you can kind of just sense it's beginning to come (laughs) <laughs> man you snuck that one in there um had to. you know yeah. i had to also you know uh the Cavs traded for for rajon rondo to replace ricky rubio um you know look double r all double about r, the i get it i get it you don't have to me- you know maybe he just fits perfectly in the uh the alphabetical order roster sheet you know you get it uh definitely different vibes though uh so we'll see what happens though uh, rondo's got a good reputation with young guys i think uh Maybe he can keep the energy up a little bit. It's a good short, short term fix, like in the immediate moment of like, we got to do something right now. Um, And then it buys them whatever, a couple of weeks to try to figure out the proper way to go. That's all I got for that. trade. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, so uh, let's talk about our favorite things, which 
This week, funny funny enough, uh, we all kind of just talked ourselves into the same favorite thing, and it was the Cavs playing the Grizzlies. Uh, that game was awesome. It, it was a little bit of a sneak peek, I think, at what the league is going to be in three years, which is, you know, Memphis, as long as they can keep it together, uh, being pretty good in the West, and Cleveland with Mobley and Garland probably being pretty good in the East, I, like that game was back and forth until don't, the Grizzlies you know, turned Allen, it up. Let's, but. let's give Jared Allen. It's it's you know don't don't leave him out. If we're ta- you know we're talking Garland and well and we're Mobley, talking like, generate we're talking yeah. like you know the star but, talents. Now Jared Allen Jared, is is very good. Jared Allen's going to be an all star this year. Oh, and he should be absolutely. Yeah. He should be. But that game that game was awesome. Uh, I yeah, it thought was. Uh, for for the amount of young guys in that game, it just I don't know it, it surprising amount of professionalism if that makes sense well here the the thing about that first of all the game was was just fantastically entertaining in its own right and it sort of reminded me of of you know the a, a good thing about like watching and being involved in the nba is if you get even no any time of the season if you get two pretty good teams in a close game then sort of the competitiveness takes over and it doesn't really matter if the game doesn't like you know, mean much in standings or whatever. And like, it's, it, it's sort of, you see this occasionally in, in the all-star games, like, Oh, it's close with nine minutes left. Let's try. But even, even more so in a game like this, where it's two pretty good teams and all of a sudden it's just like, I want to beat those bastards. And then it just becomes a really good intense game, even though it's, what was it, January 4th. And it, you know, it ultimately doesn't say much about the season. It's just, it's those kind of games that, that uh, really propel, propel your fandom and interest through the season. So I think that what that represents in terms of that kind of game that we've had, I think we've had a fair few of them pop up, um, you know, even despite the the kind of the weirdness of rosters. Oh, no, we've had a ton of really close games that have been a lot of fun, but that's just the way it is. Close games are freaking fun because that's when you get to see kind of teams rise up or at least try to rise up because then you have some guys that do some stupid things. But in general, I think just, the way this season has played out, despite all the craziness, the close games have been really fascinating. I mean, the two DeMar DeRozan game winners last weekend and everything that's gone with it, it's all just been a lot of fun. I think the competitiveness in the NBA season is still there, even with these, you know, the 10 the day hardships and those guys riding in and stuff like that. Those guys are playing their asses off, you know, for the most part. And I think, you know, for, um, all the stuff we talk about, you know, and, and, and how much it sucks. Those guys have been busting their butts and they look like you're like, Hey, okay, I can see this dude sticking for a little bit. And, and I think that's kind of been uh, part of the reason why we're getting some fun stuff in these close games. Well, there's more parody, right? Like the games, are, they just, they, anecdotally, they feel closer. We're like, you mentioned Mo. I mean, we've been talking about end of game stuff specifically for, for a lot of the season, and you've been doing it over on Twitch because of how close these games have been and uh, tightly contested. I mean, if you look at the standings, there's a lot of teams like hanging out really close to each other. I mean, this is kind of like the league that they've dreamed of at this point. A Cav- us us highlighting a Cavs-Grizzlies game is kind of an example of that. It's, it's coming to fruition a bit. A fine vintage for... <laughs> well, okay. So uh, speaking of the Grizzlies... I think we should talk about them a little bit. Uh, should we be mentioning them 
alongside like the Utah Jazz as that next tier of contender. I mean, it, it could be a little bit early, but man, they have been awesome so far this season. They're not, I don't think we can mention them on the tier of the Jazz. I do think that unlike the Jazz, they have they have moves to make that put them there. Um, I'm gonna, you know, blatantly steal an idea from uh, from uh, from Hollinger um, when he was on, on him and Nate on their their podcast. And um, what does Memphis look like if they trade for Jalen Brown? Like, like that's they've been they've obviously they, that's the guy they've been trying to get. Like, oh, Justice Winslow, and uh, they thought is that guy kind of that 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 ball handling defensive uh, three four. You know, just that that upgrade on the Dylan Brooks spot which is, I think, in, in sort of a playoff settings, is going to be their, their weakness now. If they, if they get a dude in that spot, like, like now we're talking. Is Jalen Brown gettable? With every know. Boston I mean, loss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he's gettable right now. But I think with just the – this is the stuff I talk about at the beginning of each year. Everybody's always happy at the start of the year. It's once – you know, when you get closer to the deadline, now you have a better understanding. Like, did the Celtics really think they'd be two games below 500 at this point? Um, you know, when they started the season, probably not. You know, and I think there's then that leads to when you have to start asking yourself questions. But this isn't a Celtics conversation. Let's talk about Memphis and, and your question, Dave. I think it's way too early. This team made one playoff run, you know, and, 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 and a small one. Knocked off the Warriors in the playing tournament. Got won one game in the playoffs. You know, and what I think it's doing, and and I know this isn't your intent, but it's a little bit disrespectful to the Jazz and what they've done over the last few years in the sense of consistently being a, a dominant regular season team and then, you know, at least winning a round in the playoffs or, 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 or battling or going to seven games, like being in the mix. So I think it's, uh, I think Memphis has the ability to get there. I just think it's too early to put them in that tier. Okay. So, uh... If these teams meet in the playoffs, right? Now, I, I don't think they will because Utah right now is tracking to be the three seed and, and Memphis is tracking to be the four seed. That would be that would be almost a toss-up to me just because of the way that Ja can attack Utah specifically. And maybe that's where my head is when I'm thinking about these two teams and, and trying to compare them. I think that Memphis would be a tough matchup especially in a seven-game series for Utah. So so you might be right there. Maybe I'm being a little disrespectful to the Jazz. Uh, have you guys noticed how many extra possessions a game Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson are creating for Memphis? This is, you know, Mo, back to the offensive rebounding thing that we were talking about how it's coming back. Memphis has leaned into this a little bit, and it's it's sort of a it's, – it's like a modern version of grit and grind a little bit. Yeah, no, they they battle. You know, and it's I think a lot of people didn't understand the Steven Adams, Jonas Valanciunas trade. I actually really liked it. I thought it made a lot of sense for them with Adams. I think, you know, just the just the rebounding alone on the defensive end was was massive. But he bangs with everybody. And and it's something like it's it's not a shot of Valanciunas. They're just different. Right. And I think it's it's the mentality he brings to the team and everything that goes along with it. I think just Adams has been a good mix for this team in terms of just the toughness, 
right? And there's always a look of just Adams just gives you a look. It's that Aquaman stare, I'm telling you. And it just makes guys like back down a little bit. And 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 anybody that wants to cause a fight, he just comes in here going like, Oh, what are we doing? You know, and 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 it sort of just chills. And I think he's just been a good influence on the team for for that. And I think he's done everything they asked him to. When Memphis beat Brooklyn last weekend, they beat him by 14. I mean, but it really was a blowout. I think it was like 28 point lead when when Brooklyn brought in the bench. Memphis took 20 more shots than Brooklyn did. I mean, that's a, that. I'm not I'm not an analytics guy, Seth, but it feels like. If you can take 20 more shots than your opponent, uh, you're putting yourself in good position to win some games. It, it helps. certainly helps. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I, I agree with Mo that, that you know, um, Valanchunas may be a better player than Adams. I think they're pretty comparable, actually. But it's, it's what he does is sort of an odd, uh, you know, fit. Next to next to what how Jaw wants to play. This was sort of the 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 like uh, Stephen Adams almost had the reverse problem in in uh, in New Orleans last year. I mean, we talked about this last year where they had you know of the five guys in their starting lineup, there are four different styles that those guys wanted to play and didn't really make sense. And I think that you know um, whatever style New Orleans wants to play this year has kind of been out the window anyway, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, but for Memphis, like, again, yeah, you can't throw Steven Adams the ball in the post and let him mash like you could Valanchunas. That's sort of, that. that's almost like, uh, I mean, I described it as over the offseason, that's training wheels for them. And they need to take those off and kind of see what this, this more kind of spread offense around jaw looks like. And uh, so far, pretty good. Well, Stephen Adams is back in that role that he played in OKC for all those years, right? Like, I mean, he's doing the dirty work. He's actually working from from the elbow. You can see that passing, you know, that we haven't been able to see for the last few years. And, and also, man, Jonas took touches away from, you yeah. mentioned Ja, but also Jaron. And, and these are the guys that need to go off. I mean, we're seeing Desmond Bain, a little bit of addition by subtraction by trading out uh, Grayson Allen. Look at how great... Bain has been able to be for them, and he was barely getting minutes at times last year, And even though probably was a better player already than, than Grayson Allen. So, you know, they they it just feels like they've got a lot of momentum behind them, and maybe they are a team that's, that's saving up for a trade. I mean, we know how small markets work, and that team certainly has been ahead of the curve. So, I, I, If only somebody on this podcast said, hey, I think Memphis is going to finish in the top six. Oh, wait. I didn't, I didn't all of we I didn't I, I didn't we. I didn't I don't listen to you guys. I just go with what I <laughs> didn't, I didn't just we go all? My, I just plug my yeah. own. <laughs> okay. Um well you know what? How about this though? Did speaking you see I was about to say okay. speaking of teams that surprised us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Mo, tell me how you saw the Bulls coming. Because uh, they're, <laughs> they're on like the sneakiest eight-game winning streak. And they're the sneakiest one seed at like basically the halfway point of the season that I can remember since I've been doing this, which isn't that long. As much as I want to throw stones at Mo, like this is not one I can throw in terms of, you know, having, having spent some time uh, uh, strongly questioning the, uh, the, the acquisition of a guy who is certainly in contention for an all NBA first team spot, DeMar DeRozan. You mean MVP? Yeah. (laughs) You know, the, the, yeah. Yeah. No, we all, I think everyone collectively, we all loved them signing Lonzo. We all loved them signing Alex Caruso. And we all kind of said, huh, when they signed DeRozan. And even me, who has been a DeRozan defender the last few years, I still was like, huh? Oh, my gosh. I can't. No one, no one knew it was going to work this well. No. So I'll, I'll say this. Like, I think we all figured that DeRozan would make them better. But yes. the what they gave up and how much they paid him. It's like, well, he's not using to make them that much better. And as it turns out, uh, yes. Um, so we did not, it turns out that, that DeMar DeRozan as a, as a, as a point four with shooting around him and elite defensive backcourt actually makes for a good team. So uh, who knew? Um, Arturis Karnasovas apparently. So kudos to him. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like, you know, we, that's, that's uh, the, you know, if, if we're wearing massive L's around our necks, that's, that's the sort of the biggest uh, uh, charm on that charm bracelet. Yeah, no. And it's, and it's fair, but also who could see DeMar DeRozan at age 32, having a career freaking year, right. in all of that stuff. And listen, I'll take the L. You know, I'll, you know, we kind of got to, and that's the fun part about the season and things like that is these type of things happening, but it's been a ton of fun, you know, watching this team and, and, and it's fun for the league when Chicago is good, but I really think the key to all of this is Lonzo and it's, and, and this is, it's very similar to look, the Clippers and Kawhi and Paul George Boston with the two J's, right? Like there it's, it's, you could look at Levine and, and and DeRozan and go like wow that it's very similar except they have the one guy right the connector the guy that doesn't need a lot of shots going to keep the ball moving going to keep it flying always going to make the right pass be on top of those things and that's something those other teams don't have and I think that's something those other front offices need to look at going like damn we kind of need one of those Uh, also you know DeMar has been doing this playmaker thing he started it the last couple of years in Toronto, but wasn't doing it like he did it the last few years in San Antonio. And he essentially changed situations and got a lot more talent around him. And so, you know, you're seeing it, DeMar's been pretty damn good the last few years offensively. Defensively has been okay, uh, you know, in San Antonio. But this is, I, I think, defensively, he's having one of his best seasons. You can see where his hands, like, I mean, he's deflections all over the place. So, you know, it's it's one of these things where he's being used properly as well on the defensive end. Um, and, and, you know, you're mentioning Lonzo there. Just having a guy who knows how to move the ball between those two has been big. And if you look at the numbers for Vooch when his turnaround started, that's that's really when – you know, and of course they had some roster weirdness, just like everybody else in the league. But their numbers really start taking off with Vooch because now you've got—I mean, it's a—you it, got a three-headed offensive monster out there. 
Yeah, I mean, I think just a slow start with Vooch and everything, and it was like, remember, we were all kind of just saying, like, and Vucevic hasn't even gotten going yet, and now he's beginning to find that groove. It's, I mean, they're good. They're a very, very, very good team, you know, and let's see how this progresses because now we're about halfway through the season. Again, it's it's we've seen this from teams before, right? And the All Star break comes, and then they've I've been on those teams before, and they and they kind of just fall apart in the second half of the season. So they're an awesome story right now, and hopefully it continues that way. So the, the, I mean, the interesting thing for me, and you're talking about DeRozan defensively, and I think it's he's been better defensively, but it's also that the synergy around like the four perm, like the the five out with Vooch and the perimeter guys has been so good that it's like, you, you know, we worried about their matchups defensively, but they've been so good on that end that they're forcing the other team to adjust first. So it's like, Oh, well, the DeRozan guarding a four, well, you can't play a four because who's he going to guard. So, so that's, so that's almost the way that they've, they've almost powered through what would have been some matchup weirdness and, and, you know, made it so that they, they, you know, that okay, well, you have your you have your third and fourth best wings on the floor too, because you have to to guard these guys. So now, who can Levine and DeRozan are guarding these you know mediocre bench wings, and as as Caruso and Ball you know take on the tough assignments. So that that that's like they've almost they've offensed their way into good defense almost. Billy Donovan is like one of like eight guys that I could probably make a case for coach of the year halfway through the season. And that's pretty incredible. I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot. There's not really bad coaches in the league anymore. I mean, maybe there's a couple, the, the jury's still out on, on the new guys you know, you got to give them a couple years. Um, but man, Billy Donovan, uh, he's just got these guys playing so well and they and the connectedness on both ends has been very impressive for a team that's, the major pieces there are really new. I, I'm I'm very impressed with them. The big worry for them is 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 you kind of scratch the surface and it gets, you know, it gets thin pretty quickly. Like uh, Sumo has been been really 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 fun as a rookie, uh, but if he's like your kind of your sixth man heading into the playoffs, you're kind of a little you cringe about that a little bit. So just wondering if. Just sort of wondering if they if they think that they're uh, they're like a guy away from being a contender, and that's where you start to like who might be interested in Patrick Williams and 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 going and getting something done that way. So they're they're sort of an interesting sneaky kind of uh, trade in candidate. Yeah, and and if anybody hesitates on like oh Patrick Williams has all of this upside, yo, you're trying to win a championship right now. And 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 no shot to Patrick Williams. He's, he might be a fine player. He's not the guy that's going to win you a championship right now. And if there's an opportunity to make the trade, whatever it may be, to get you the piece that you believe is going to win you the championship this season or next season, you have no hesitation. You have to have no hesitation in trading Williams. Too many teams get stuck with the we've we love this guy so much we're never going to trade him and then they miss the boat on on trading him there are a few exceptions and but very few patrick williams ain't one of them enough about james wiseman let's move on to (laughs) keep going (laughs) i was gonna say his name too (laughs) 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, Kyrie is back. Made his debut. We're recording this Thursday, uh, January 6th. He made his debut Wednesday night in Indiana. Scored 22 points. Um, what'd you guys think? I mean, this is going to be kind of brief because we only got one game. But, um, I mean, it kind of looked like Kyrie. His conditioning, I mean, you, you guy comes off a long layup. The first thing you worry about is conditioning. And, like, that looks like he looked like he's in he's in really good shape and, and was able to, you know, play minutes and, and still have a lot left in the tank at the end of the game. So, you know, that's – as far as what you're looking at for right now, that's from a basketball standpoint, that's the thing that, that stood out to me. Um, you know, the, the weirdness of, of him playing half the games is still going to be weird. And on, on the other I'm hand, ho- though, like I'm hoping, I'm hoping that yeah. Kyrie makes a decision and plays all the games. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, though, like, you know, it's we were at the beginning of the season. It's like, well, they're going to avoid the distraction of having guys in and out. Well, everybody's having guys in and out. So what's one more? Um, so it's almost like the the the, the, the background uh, the situation almost makes that part less of a disruption because everyone's disrupted already. Yeah, I one thing I'll say, Seth, about the, the conditioning stuff, because you're right, he looked good in this game. But for me, conditioning is over a couple of games, right? It's it's the recovery afterwards and get to the next game. Lucky for him, they're home the next two games. <laughs> yeah, right. So he's gonna be conditioned, he's able to re- recover very easily um in that regard. But I think the, the the thing was, and it's it wasn't that he was conditioned as much as there didn't seem to be a lot of rust. You know, and I think that was the important thing I wanted to see, you know, and, and, you know, the first quarter was a little bit shaky, but after that, he started to get in his groove. And then we saw him down the stretch with everything, but there were things you I saw in that game where I was like, man, the nets have been missing this. There's a play where he comes off a, I think it was a double high pick and roll. And it just, with the pace, it wasn't even super fast, but with the pace with which he did it it pulled two defenders and he was able to find Nick Claxton for a dunk, you know? And I think it's just, that's something like you, 
don't see too much from Harden doing that. You don't see too much from KD doing that. And I think that's what the Nets have kind of missed. When we've been saying, like, man, the Nets don't feel right yet, it's because that right there. And I think that's the important thing. How this will play out, I have absolutely no idea. I feel like we're just dealing with a uh, unprecedented sort of situation and just going to – this is a case study, you know, and, and, and depending how it succeeds, I wouldn't be surprised if a few other guys are like, huh. Only play road games. I can see some guys going like, what if I just play home games? You remember when Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson. just wanted <laughs> yeah, to coach home I was games? Of. You know, and it's it's like, I wonder if we're going to start to see some of this stuff of their success. It's a copycat league. We, I mean, the interesting thing is thinking back, like we kind of batted the idea around of, of you know, because Chris Bosh couldn't fly. Right. So right. it's like, you know, home game, Chicago and Indiana. Like is, is sort of like, <laughs> well, until playoff time. Right. And, yeah. and then in which case, you know, maybe you, you got the Madden bus, you yes. know, and, and you make it work. Uh, shout out to John Madden who, you know, passed away. I, uh, I but, uh, you know, that's an interesting thought, Mo. I mean, and, and this is a team I, I do want to say, you know, with Ky- them missing Kyrie all this time, remember they built this team with him in mind. So <laughs> it makes sense, right? Like, and he, he fit right into what, what they've been doing and, and what they want to do. I, another point on the nets that I think is something that should be worrisome to a lot of the rest of the league is uh, since the, since the start of December, uh, remember how we were worried that like the new rules were going to like destroy James Harden and oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Since the start of a December, he's averaging almost 11 free throws a game. Like he hasn't, he hasn't shot the ball great from the outside, but he's, getting to the rim, getting to the line. He's averaging like this is, you know, over his last 11 games with, with kind of a COVID absence in between, he's averaging the 25, eight and a half rebounds, 10 and a half assists and almost a steal and a half. Like James Harden is playing really well. And KD has been playing at MVP level all year. And now you add, you know, this, this, this other ingredient in, and it's like, oh yeah, that's why everyone was terrified of this team. And they've surprised us up until the last couple of weeks with how well they've defended. Now, part of that may be, you know, some of the personnel decisions they've been forced to make, but some of that might be a little bit of luck. I, I don't know. It feels like their defense is starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, I would say that is a lot of uh, fortune with opponent jump shooting that they've, they've had this year. Um, like I, I was, I, I don't, I haven't looked since last night's game, but they were first in uh, opponent field goal percentage on uh, long twos, corner threes, and second on uh, against uh, above the break threes, and those are kind of the shots where a defense has the least impact on opponent shooting. So if a team is just like awesome at all those uh, especially a team where you you can't really think of a plausible reason why <laughs> they're doing something special it's like that's that they're gonna get hit hard with it with the variant stick i think gosh disrespectful that, that to patty mills patty mills is just you know lockdown defender did you see his block the other day he came down <laughs> off his guy and came in and okay no uh yeah. <laughs> i couldn't even finish that part of the bit but you know we also have seen it last for a while i mean didn't we talk about this with the knicks all year last year Right, and then it and then it normalized at a very unfortunate time for them in the playoffs. <laughs> but, but that was but that was but that what really killed them in the playoffs was yeah. their offense, yeah, more than their defense in in 
in that situation. Like, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're at all wrong. I'm not arguing with you on this stuff. Cause you know, you use big words like regression. I just learned it last week. It's, it's a, uh, it's a uh, progression for you. Mo. The, the, the new word. Let me write that one down. Um, the, the thing is though, it is something that can last for, for a while and things like that. But you, you made your tweet was the most impressive. That's why I t- retweeted it going like pin this, you know, cause if the regression does happen, it's not going to be because Kyrie's playing half these games and this and that and and all of that stuff. And everybody needs to remind themselves of that. It's just going to be at a certain point. Teams are probably going to hit shots on them if they're left wide open. You know, and there's there is always an element of luck to the defense and everything you're doing. And I think that's just an important that was such an important tweet, Seth, that I think, you know, and it's going to get missed because you're going to see it on several different uh broadcasts team you know guys yelling at each other it's going to be that and and i think that it's a very nuanced opinion there that we just have no room for these days <laughs> i think i mean we already saw a little bit of it early in the year um with 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 ja like you know he um did like the 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 on-off splits in terms of opponent three-point shooting were just ridiculous with him and so it's like oh man they defend so much better with him and they defend like if Tyus Jones is at the one, they defend better than if <laughs> John Morant is at the one, just because well, he's a much better defensive player. Because Jaws, frankly, not a one good of the worst, defender. He yeah, one of the worst, like frankly, one of the worst defenders in the year in the in the league. But um, it's and then he misses time and and sort of that that it kind of snaps back into place. And I was like, oh, John Morant, Ewing theory. And then it's like, no, 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 no. And, and now he's he's now that he's since he's been back, like that is sort of normalized that, that, that split has sort of normalized. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, no, they're actually much better. Just period with him on the floor. Cause like, he's, you know, he's, he's a top what player in the league at this point, top 20, top 15. Is that probably are we, 15? Yeah. Are yeah. we, are we getting ahead of ourselves? I mean, like, you know, so, no. and I mean, this is, this is maybe a conversation for a different day. Cause the way I look at it, it depends, right? Like where are we at at this moment yeah. in time? I try not to take a long view on that. And which is it can get me in trouble if you go back and you're looking for something <laughs> evergreen, but I don't really care. Um, I, I will say this: uh, I bet if we look at their road offense for the rest of the season, I guarantee that road offense is going to be insane. Like if they <laughs> if they lose another road game this year, right? Uh, or if they went undefeated on the road for the rest of this year. It would not shock me because Kyrie is that much of, and he's going to be fresh. Oh man! Oh, they're going to be the greatest like road heel team of all time. I, it's yeah. <laughs> I hope they Just, lean in. Like he's Kyrie's going to be cutting a promo in every pregame press thing, and, and yeah, man. Here we go with that. wrestling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of wrestling, I don't know how this is not a good transition. Steph Curry looks like he's wrestling. Oh, Dave, you he looks exhausted. Easy, you missed the easy transition, which was we're talking about arrested Kyrie. And now we got a tired Steph Curry. <laughs> we do. I mean, guys, <laughs> Steph looks exhausted and I, I just don't I can't remember seeing him uh, look looking like his legs were, were this dead. Uh, one of the things that's so special about him, and we've talked about this a lot, is that he essentially is a human basketball play. You just let him go run around the court. He cuts at different angles. He comes off split cuts. He comes off screens. He sets screens. He does all these things. And it's odd to watch him, uh, as I did last night in the game against the Mavs, just really he looked like he just 
had it didn't have his legs under him at all. I think that's been kind of the case essentially since, you know, the, the all-time three-point record kind of started in earnest. Um, and I, I mean, I think I, you know, people are going to draw the straight line there, but I think it's much more about like, he was, he was so good for the back half of last season and so good for the first half of this season that especially with kind of the, the, the Warriors still having kind of some limitations in shot creation, like, there's a lot of games where the fourth quarter is Steph will figure it out for them. Like they're so much of what they do offensively for the first three quarters is a lot of movement and system buckets and, and using like the, you know, that the, the, the high field players, whether it's, you know, Gary Payton second cutting out of the corners or Otto Porter and the many Bielitsa doing, doing their stuff. And then the fourth quarter, it's a lot of, the ball cycles as people are looking for staff to come off this maze of handoffs and, and picks. And it's just like, that's, that's hard work. And, you know, that's just, it's almost too much to ask of him for, to do that for a whole season. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a little bit of, of, of a slump there. Um, it's not as bad a slump as he was in, you know, the, remember last year before he, he uh, went for 60 against Portland, like he was in the worst, literally the worst slump of his career. So it's not like we haven't seen this before and recently. So he's just, I think it's mostly, he's just going through a little blip and he's, you say he's tired, but that's, that's not a permanent condition. That's a, that's a, that's a temporary thing that perhaps they could fix. I mean, just the way he plays, is a very tiring way, yeah. right? It's it's all the running. It's all the bring the ball up the court, pass it. Okay, I got to cut. Okay, I'm going to stop. Now I'm going to go again. And I got to, it's, it's just in one possession, he's making three or four cuts and moves and coming off screens. It's the way you said the maze of dribble handoffs and all that. And it's almost doing that on every offensive possession. Like it's, it is a tiring thing. And I think that leads to those, just the fatigue a little bit in all of that and 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 the weight you know the all-time uh three-point record was a thing and you could see it as as you talked about pressing and all that stuff i think it will get a little bit easier if clay thompson can be on the court more um once he comes back and hooray he sounds like he's coming back on sunday gonna be fun to finally watch him again And, and if he can play at a consistent level for the warriors i think he'll make things a little bit easier on Steph, I mean, Jordan Poole had a monster game in that game that Steph struggles, you know, and uh, was it was Utah, right? Or am I mixing stuff up? He had a monster pool blew up a night when Steph struggled. I can't remember. It all blends into one game for me. Sorry. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, we watch too much basketball. Yeah. You know, but like there's it's, it's nice for the Warriors to have that. But it's hopefully with when Clay comes, they'll be able to have that. And there's going to be renewed energy just off of that, right? The adrenaline and the emotion of clay back on the court, you're going to see him go completely nuts whenever he makes a bucket. Yeah. That, that, that team momentum that they're going to get from getting clay back. I I think that honestly, and I, I don't know, I haven't talked to anybody around the team to ask. I wonder if a little bit of the fatigue they're running into now, isn't some of that emo it's a, like maybe a little bit of emotional fatigue as well. I mean, it's hard to play at the level that they've played at, this season and you know for this long and you mentioned just Steph generally but I think the team itself could use some juice and that Clay Thompson coming back is going to be big let's also not overlook the fact that this season has been one of Steph's higher effort defensive seasons as well I mean he has been as physical as I can remember on the defensive end without fouling as much 
which is crazy. Um, but I, I think that maybe that's playing into this as well. And again, I mean, it's you know, it's a couple of bad games in at the end of December and January. I'm not worried about Steph Curry, but. Yeah, Mo, I, I'm with you, man. I think Clay coming back is going to be just a, a shot of adrenaline for the whole team, man. It, the vibes are going to come back. That's what they need is a vibe lift. Is this, I mean, we're talking about fatigue. Is this the point where we point out that Steph does turn 34 in in March? No. And no. he's, no, I, I mean, it's, you know, he's he's a very well-conditioned athlete, but at a, at a certain point, like, you know, that what's the stuff that starts to go as you get older is that recovery. And the and finishing, so, the finishing yeah. at the basket has me, you know, at least I'm, I'm paying attention to it. I'll put it that way. I'm not like worried about it, but it's enough. Like he's so good at finishing at the rim for him to, to, to be this off. I, I am starting to look at it a little bit. It looks like he's avoiding contact quite a bit. And, and I, I wonder if that's, a little bit of a, a reaction to the way that he feels he's been officiated. Like he has to avoid contact in order to give himself a chance to, to make shots because he doesn't feel like he's going to get free throws. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do know that, that he's off and, and they need him to look, they need Steph Curry to be on if they want to be as dominant as they, as they were. Uh, but we see they still win games even when he's struggling. Yeah, no question. I mean, this, listen, this is the team they're rolling right now with their guys, right? And and it's not just Poole, it's Belalita, it's Porter Jr., it's you know, uh getting unbelievable minutes from Gary Pate in the second. And I want to talk about him in, in, in a second before I finish this point. But the everybody, the role players have all kind of stepped up in that sense with everything they're doing. And you know, to just kind of go back to Gary Payton, the the little mitten, as I like to call him, um, is is you know. Even as a non-shooter, he's still affecting the offense because what he's doing is just so many great cuts. And I think it's an it's a case study for for guys who aren't necessarily a good shooter to understand that like I can affect games because there's a play where Kyle Lowry literally is ignoring him in the corner when they played the Heat. He's like, "Yo, he's a bad shooter. I don't care about him. I'm coming to help all the way on this drive." And what does GP do? Just cuts along the baseline and 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 gets hit. Curry hits him with a no look pass and he gets a layup out of it. Like it's 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 those small things that they're getting out of these young guys that I think will carry him a long way. My only concern is, and this was the same concern I had with Phoenix last year. A lot of those guys are unproven in the playoffs, and so that will be a uh, and and Phoenix. Those guys proved themselves last year. It'll be a question if these guys can do it. I mean, the the two most important guys are pretty well play <laughs> proven so no i know i mean I, yes I, I, yeah. but it's there's five on the yeah. court it's not <laughs> I, but i know I, I think that is a distinct like like phoenix was so inexperienced top to bottom last year like un like they were unprecedentedly un, uh, inexperienced to to be a a finals team last year right. so that that's you know i think that that golden state between you know between uh, um uh, you know, Steph and Draymond and Clay coming back and Looney has been there for a while. And even some of their role guys have been around for, for, you know, like, like Damian Lee has been around for, for, for some of that stuff. And, and obviously Bielitz has got, you know, maybe not deep runs in the NBA, but he's certainly his international experience. So they, they, they have, well, I agree with you. That's like some of their guys, like Jordan Poole, it's going to be his first rodeo. Um, uh, but they, they do have plenty of institutional knowledge, over and above what Phoenix had last year. I, my bigger worry for them is, and this is, you know, 
is is there's just some matchup stuff that you that was really highlighted i think in that first phoenix game where they just had nothing for for deandre Ayton. just ab- like and you know the deandre Ayton, anthony davis like depending on who you see if even if you make the finals you run it to Giannis or joel Embiid or 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 whoever like that's that's a matchup worry for them that that's not just an experience thing but uh yeah do you guys do you think they need to solve their their big man rotation like do they need a serviceable large guy i mean it, by the way the news just came out that the suns are signing bismack biombo through the rest of the season i mean does chris which, paul get a cut of that deal I, chris, chris paul, paul gets a cut of all these deals he has a small deal. clause in his every contract deal. you know yeah that i mean that's so funny um but yeah uh like it's pretty obvious to me that i mean look Kevon Looney is a nice player, right? And Draymond Green, I, I think, is one of the best centers uh, of the modern era. That's where I'm at with Draymond. Uh, but at a certain point, having a large dude does actually matter when you have a, a other large dudes who are good. I mean, I've I've basically like trade two of your young guys for Miles Turner. Let's go. Like that's where I've been. That's where I've been all year for them. So, and I, and I like, just again, as much as, as you know, we liked what we've seen from Kaminga, like Steph is 34 or going to be 34 in the playoffs this year. And you're trying to win a title. What are we doing here? Like let's, you know, elite rim protected guy who fits with them offensively. What's the, what are we, what are we doing? Call it in Mo. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, we've, I think we've talked about it on this pod before yes. literally saying doing this exact thing. Um, I can't do my rant about the Bulls and then say like no, the Warriors shouldn't go all <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I I agree with with Seth in that, and I agree with you, Dave. They do need to kind of bolster that front line because eventually you're going to face a big guy, and and you know, listen, Draymond versus Anthony Davis, I'm okay with that. I think I'm fine there, you know. But we saw it with DeAndre, and if you get to the finals and you end up having to play Giannis, that's going to be a an issue for them. If by some small miracle Philly gets to the finals, you're going to have to deal with Embiid. Like there's, there are where it gets healthy. You got Jokic, Jokic. You know, you got to deal with all of the uh, possibilities there, right? And it's having that versatility on your lineup. And you know, Turner fits. It's kind of like the it's it's everything we're talking about. Like Turner kind of fits their mold very well and can help them in a long way. And this isn't a shot at Looney. Looney's been awesome. He's great. I think he's made great strides. For what you know, where he was a few years ago in the passing and things like that, but you need another body to go with it because I don't know if Draymond can do it, and if DeAndre Ayton finds the the aggressive gene, I'm praying is going to kick in at some point and be a, a a dominant and play with force as a big man. I think then the Warriors would even be in a lot of trouble with that. So um, I think you know you got to make the move. Cool. Well, uh, January fifteenth coming up. I think. Moves are going to start happening if they're going to happen. I, I don't think people are going to wait until the deadline, Seth. I, I think it. you might see some proactive moves as, as soon as that January 15th date hits because it, the teams are too tight. The, the standings yep. are too tight. You, I mean, if you, if, you get, if you think this move helps you and you get eight extra games by doing it January 17th instead of waiting for, for mid-February, like that's, you know, you, you get an extra game or two that could be worth three, four spots in the standings this year. So I think, I think that's a, that's a, that's something to keep an eye on. Definitely. That's going to do it for the show this week, folks. Don't forget 
Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Sign up. Support the show. Let them know that you listen and that you like us. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you guys next week on another episode of Nerd She Wrote. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.